Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens, you damn dirty apes. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched a sci-fi movie, we talk about it. It is really quite that simple. And today we are returning to a franchise that we are working through and we had a, had a bit of a gap between three and four just due to other things popping up but uh, we are returning to the fourth entry in the Planet of the Apes series, which is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And this came out in 1972. And there's the story of Caesar, who of course is the, the same name that's used in the, uh, the, the the reboot trilogy, which we're going to get to later, of course. Uh, but that is the child of Cornelius and Zira. And the, his story kind of at the age of about 20, because it's about 20 years after the first film. So it's actually set in the near future, you know, at the time. Obviously... We're actually way past this year now in real mm-hmm. life, you know, versus what it would be. Um, a future of turtlenecks. A future, yes, all the villains. Uh, why, <laughs> why, oh, why in this future all these humans are walking around like they're part of the SS? I'm not entirely sure, but they they really are. Uh, well, they have lost their humanity. They treat animals like slaves. They, so. d- they do. Well, yes. the I always, why well, I forgot Dystopian about this. Dystopian future. What I forgot about this movie is that a key part of the premise is that cats and dogs went extinct. We find this out early on, and apes were then replaced uh, as the pets of human beings, and then that turned into turned into slaves as time went on. So we're going to be tackling some big subjects this this episode uh, with this movie. Subjects that I don't necessarily think this movie is actually deep enough to really pull off, but we'll get into that as <laughs> as we go. Um, but yes, so we'll start spoiler free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers. We'll get straight into it. Uh, we've both seen this before. Now, Tara, you did watch both cuts of this film for this episode. Right. So the Blu-ray comes with a theatrical cut and a unrated version. So the first time I watched it, I watched the theatrical cut. Um, but this time I watched the unrated. And I, I looked up ahead of time to see what the difference was. And my understanding was that because the movie was so violent, it was going to be given an R rating. And because all the previous ones were rated G, the producers or whatever didn't want, the studio didn't want to release an R rated version of Planet of the Apes. So they cut out a lot of the violence in the film and made that the theatrical cut. What I didn't realize is that they totally changed the ending. Um, to the point where I have very different ratings for each version of the film. That is very interesting. I I might have seen the alternate cut when I first saw this years ago, but I don't really remember it. For this podcast episode, I watched the theatrical cut because until Tara mentioned that she'd done this right before we started recording, I didn't even realize there was two cuts. So yeah. we'll, we'll find out what the differences are, probably more in the spoiler section because uh, that's where Definitely. all that stuff is going to pop up. But uh, we will talk about the differences there. Uh, when we get to them so um but yeah like i said so this is 20 years after we're in kind of a near future that has went a little bit dystopian uh, cats and dogs have have went extinct as we find out uh with a nice statue early on in the film that's just commemorating oh, over <laughs> commemorating the deaths of all cats and dogs in the world um and were you upset that the cat didn't have a name but the dog did I don't even think about it, if I'm honest. Uh, now that you've pointed out it is a great injustice and the canine <laughs> uh, bitch well, it was Rover, so the male dog. But whatever, doesn't matter. That dirty damn dog. 
I like to think the cat's name was Gus. Big cat name. <laughs> of course. Is that a good cat? Is it all a cast name, Gus? I didn't think so, but Trader Joe's came out with an advent calendar, and on it has an advent calendar for cats. And uh, it has a picture of a cat named Gus on it. So maybe well, it is. Is it cat treats in the little windows? Yeah. Cool. He doesn't eat them. The, the dog eats them. <laughs> <laughs> and the cat's just sitting at the side, seething like, yes, this he, is why. I mean, he seems excited when I take the package out every morning. Mm -hmm. And then he just, like, sniffs at it and goes, eh, not for me. No, he's like, this is this is why. This is <laughs> why one day I will kill the, the, the canine population. Total feline saturation. Um, okay. That's my maniac maniacal cat. And There's monologue. a pretty funny um, Futurama episode about that, actually. Oh, I need to watch Futurama. Cats from another it. planet. <laughs> Where it's sunny all day and they chase chicken salmon around. <laughs> chicken salmon? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so that is kind of the propeller. We, we, we do have uh, Mantelban back uh, as the circus owner who's who's kind of here for, for some of the movie to kind of like bridge the two films. Uh, I mean, he doesn't really look 20 years older. Because it's only been like a year in real time, but that, you know, whatever. He's got some white in his beard. <laughs> we'll let it go. We'll let it go. Uh, yeah. Why well, think so... He he ages well. Why well, I think so weird about this movie now, especially uh, after the new trilogy, is that I, I often say that sometimes that Rise is kind of the, the closest thing that it's a remake of is this movie. And watching this again, that's not really even really true. It's like the plot is completely different, it, but it, it is technically the closest just because of where it ends. Like just because of where this ends and where Rise ends, mm -hmm. it's kind of the closest one you can kind of link up and say, oh, they kind of said, let's take essentially what Conquest did and do it in a completely different plot in a completely different manner, but to get to a similar end point. And that's kind yeah. of why you compare them. Otherwise, it is completely different. Because, you, you, I mean, the movie opens with uh, guards, like, training, like, swads of apes who are in jumpsuits as prisoners and slaves and being taught menial tasks and... Which, honestly, one of my first critiques of not so much the movie, but the human beings in the movie, and I, I guess to an extent the writing, because no one ever really seems to point this out, which is really, really silly. And I guess you could argue it's intentional as part of the hubris of man or, or whatever. But I'm like, the people in this movie, because of what happened in, in uh, Escape, because of the two apes, and because they found out that in the future apes had taken over and and man was, was the, the animals, man's were the servants, whatever, They've, they've got this fear. They've got this fear of apes getting smarter and taking over. So I ask you, why did you breed more of them and start training them how to do things around the house? You're actively making them smarter. Yeah. What are you I doing? Think they were, I think they were kind of put in a corner because I'm pretty sure in either the first or the second film, they mm. talk about how apes were first pets for humans, but then ah. became intelligent and revolted. So I think this has already been pre-established. And so, well, you know, that... they want to use the son of Cornelius and and Zira in order to tell a story, but they have to, like, I don't, they have to incorporate that in still. That would explain the pet part. It doesn't explain what, I mean, I, again, I get the, the themes of the film and the hubris, but just from a, a, a raw logic of these people are literally scared that apes are going to get smarter, but they choose mm -hmm. to train them to do more and more tasks that are you know, requiring more knowledge that are clearly ev evolving their intelligence by training them how to pour drinks or, or you know, 
make deliveries, go pick up things at the store, stuff like that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, it doesn't bother me too much. I think it's more important that they, that humans chose to domesticate apes mm. and then realize that they could, that they did have the ability to learn things a lot and be able to do menial tasks for them and then automatically just kind of turn them into slaves. I mean, I guess what I'm saying here is that the humans will get everything that's coming to them in this movie. Although, that said, technically that'd be true anyway because of everything else. And and perhaps, honestly, the depressing thought to go along with this, just to counteract my own point, is that human beings in real life constantly do things that are not in their best interest and are clearly mm-hmm. going to lead to problems later on and just are ignorant and don't believe that the bad thing will happen. So, you know what? Maybe this movie is actually blisteringly realistic. It won't in happen in their lifetime. Yes. So they don't have to worry about it. Yes. Um, they're just like, ah, oh, no, no, the apes will never be smart enough to do that. Even though there's constant references to them believing that, yeah, you know, the apes can't read. Not yet, anyway. Like, we'll stop <laughs> training them to do smarter things. <laughs> like, you're actively creating the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. sure, maybe maybe Caesar speeds things up a bit by existing, but... True, but then yeah. there's, there's a thing that happens at the end that's kind of like, well, maybe it would have happened regardless of whether or not mm-hmm. Caesar was there. Like I say, I think he's just sped things up. I don't think he actually changed the, the course any, in any way. Just yeah. maybe accelerated it a bit. Uh, so I, I had that thought as I was watching it. But I, I mean, I guess you want the villains to appear somewhat villainous because we're rooting for Caesar, we're rooting for the apes. Um, which is why I think fundamentally comparing it to the new trilogy, it completely looks unfavorable. Because one of the things that the new trilogy does, especially in Dawn, is that it makes you want both sides to win. It makes you care about characters on both sides of the conflict and you want them to work out a deal. You want them to find peace. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it's not that at all. In this movie, it's no, no, the humans, barring one, <laughs> are all slime bag, basically Nazis and the way they yeah. talk and walk around and act. Um, and then the apes, well, there's, there's a little bit, at, the, at least at the theatrical cut, there's a little bit towards the end that kind of brings in a little bit of a theme of mercy and stuff like that. Uh, it feels a bit tacked on and maybe that's something that we'll talk about properly when you can tell me the differences because i've got a feeling that that might go a bit a bit differently um it does you know I, I think the character of caesar in this you think of caesar in the new films and caesar is this nuanced character who's weighing up his compassion for humans because of his upbringing because of his mm-hmm. father but also his commitment to his kind who have been in cages that he's trying to sort of nurse and sort of help take forward and have them grow and become to a level of intelligence like he is so that they can take it even further than he does. Um, right. And this movie, by the end, Caesar is is mostly just like, he's, he's more like a Scar. He's more like a raving, you know, zealot who's just like, ah, death to the humans. They're the, the worst. Screw I them mean, all. he was raised by a good human too. Yeah. I think I a lot of, you know, the new trilogy is so reliant on i mean it's it's really well acted or it's really well well written and well directed the new trilogy um but so much of it is just on the performance of andy circus and with the ability that we have now with through motion capture to to get that pure performance from him however in this one i thought ron mcdowell was amazing in this movie and he has to act through a lot worse (laughs) oh no i think he is really good in this movie yeah I'm just saying that the character is not as nuanced and maybe that sounds like I'm I'm giving it shit for not being as good as stuff that came later, but 
the, the stuff that I'm complaining about is not the visual effects. I'm, I'm not complaining that, you know, we've got these ape suits versus the, the state-of-the-art CG that's in the new trilogy that's still jaw-droppingly gorgeous and, like, realistic. Well, and... so much of the performance is coming, like, you get all of it in the new trilogy. In this yeah. one, he has to perform through makeup and a mask. And but I, I don't As think... much as you don't want to be distracted by it, it is there, and you do see his teeth, his real teeth sometimes, I, I behind the ape teeth. I do not think, though, that prohibits a more nuanced character that is more akin to the Caesar that's in the newer films. And I, I don't think that forces them into the personification that they, they go with in this movie. I think this character could be more complex. I think this movie as a whole could be more complex. I actually can't believe how kind of thin and like... I don't want to say shallow, because it's dealing with a lot of big topics, right? But mm-hmm. the movie's like 86 minutes long. And... Like, watching it and then skimming through it again, because I watched it a couple of days ago, so I was sort of skimming through it again before we came on to record. And I, I, watch, I, I couldn't believe just how quickly it progresses some of the things that it progresses and how quickly it jumps yes. to certain ideas. Yes, I agree. Like, there are some... There are characters who figure things out, like, put pieces together, which are, of course, true, but, like, the way they get from, like, they're able to put things together so quickly doesn't... Uh, it doesn't... That's not the way the brain works. <laughs> like no. there could have been a ton of other reasons for this, but you just, of course, you went with the correct one without any like evidence. Yeah, I, I think this movie like, definitely as we get deeper into the sequels here, where we're sort of we are going lower in quality, which I suppose kind of answers my question that for myself at least before I ask you, <laughs> is how I feel about this. Is that I think there's ideas in here, but I think it doesn't it doesn't have enough meat on the bone to actually explore the ideas in any way beyond just sort of presenting them. And, you know, (laughs) here's the idea, but it doesn't really actually explore them. It doesn't really try and say anything about them. It just sort of points out the thing exists and then leaves it with us. And I think the movie feels really thin on actual exploration to the point where by the time you get to the end, there's some nice beats here or there, there's some nice moments. Uh, but it feels more like a, a a concept than it does an actual movie to me in a lot of ways. Um, plot threads feel very rushed. It feels very undercooked in a lot of ways, and maybe it was rushed out because I mean these sequels were coming like year after year, yeah. basically. So I, it doesn't. I mean that doesn't really surprise me. And each me. time, I think they like start. They didn't have a plan, so it's just like we need another sequel because it made money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here you go, Paul Dean. I think so, that's the name of the writer. I mean, I think there's things to like in here, and it's a curious piece to look at, just for the, you know, just to see, okay, what did they do? How did some of these ideas evolve into to the better things that we got later? Uh, but I wouldn't really say this is a good movie per se. I think it's somewhere in between. Uh, so what, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about it? Well, honestly, like, the theatrical cut when I watched it, I felt very similar. Um, but I love the unrated cut. <laughs> I thought the unrated cut like was really ballsy and it goes in a direction that I did not expect and but it makes more sense for the film and um, mm. I actually really like it uh, and if, if anyone is unsure like if they have the, the copy that will have the unrated version like track it down because I think that one's really worth watching. That's uh, this is interesting because obviously I didn't watch the unrated cut, so I'll be curious to hear the differences when we get to the the, the spoilers. Uh, yeah, most could... of it is honestly most of it's in the end. Um, for yeah. all throughout the film, you just you see a bit more blood. There's more violence, but the big thing that happens 
the the thing that changes the theme of the film happens at the end. That's interesting. Uh, because I, I would describe the theatrical cut, I, I suppose the word I would use is limp. It's kind of a limp film. Uh, in a lot of ways, it feels like it's not really hitting hard. And when it does try to bring up the topic of real slavery, I'll mm-hmm. be honest, it made me a little uncomfortable that it just kind of threw it out there. And it didn't feel like it was actually, it earned the right to talk about it in this context and through this lens. Um, I felt like, okay, you're doing something here because you've, you've, you've turned the apes into slaves, so you want to have these parallels you have this black character who's the one sympathetic character really well that, well that's not true the circus owner as well but uh out of the new characters the one sympathetic character and mm. i felt that whenever they tried to draw parallels or allude i kind of felt like i don't know if this is really I, I think you do this without saying it not with not with really pointing it out and like sort of prodding at it in the dialogue like it does uh it, it kind of felt a bit forced and just kind of, and we've, we've said this in the past with some of these these Planet of the Apes movies where... Yeah, I think it was worse than the... Um, second one? Second one. The second one was really, like, half-baked. And, yeah, it was not... It was not the right movie to, to do that. This one doesn't bother me so much watching it. Because I was uncomfortable with those scenes in the second film. But in Beneath. But in this one, I think it is part of the plot. Like a big part of the plot so you have to address it no it is it is um it's one of those things though where if you're going to tackle a, a very serious topic like that um if the film feels like it's more of a schlocky b movie and at least in the theatrical cut i think it does for the most part i, I don't think it really earns the dramatic it weight. is a really low but yeah. budget film yeah you know i mean i there's a death at one point which i won't say what it is yet but uh that i laughed out loud at how it was done i, I thought it was funny and I wasn't supposed to think it was funny, but I thought it was funny. Uh, it's, it's you know, it's a very schlocky, low-budget movie that doesn't have the the scale or the 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 deaf touch. And I I think tackling that kind of topic, tackling tackling the issue of real slavery, and using that as a as a lens to to which look through the plot of this film, mm-hmm. is such a heavy thing that. If you aren't like pinpoint, if you aren't completely accurate, if you aren't really making a bold, poignant statement, it just feels like you're trying to add weight to something with a crutch because you're you're taking something that has natural real world weight and saying, Hey, if I apply that to this, it'll instantly make it feel like our movie's deep because we're saying, Hey, we can we can refer to this thing. And because of that, look at us, we're talking about it. It doesn't feel things. cheap to me. Uh, I don't know. This one doesn't feel like it's a cheap tactic to make to put an emotional thing onto a film it for I, I don't know in this one i think it 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 works a lot better especially since we're coming from the animal rights side of things as well mm-hmm. that just naturally because these animals are very human-like they just became a slave race and then from there because humans have slaves we automatically kind of turn into a more totalitarian society or um it's just because we allow evil to happen again we just automatically start becoming those inhumane people again um and i think because of the time it came out i mean this is very much you know around the time of the american civil rights movements i think that sure like it is it can it can look a little bit distasteful looking back on it 
but I think at the time it was pretty well received by like the black community in America. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, do you actually know that? <laughs> do you have you actually? I mean, according to the trivia, when I looked it up. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this from a, a 2020 perspective. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, how can you not? But yeah, I mean, at the same time, like they, they don't just gloss over it. You know, like it is an essential part of the plot. Yeah, and it it is shining evil upon ourselves, and you know, <laughs> no, a mirror no, that we don't like to talk about. Yes, I, I guess. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's tacked on. I'm not trying to say it's it's forced in because it isn't. I'm just saying the movie's not good enough to make me feel like they earned the right to use it. Does that does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. You know, like like when it's brought up, I'm like, you know what? If this was if this was Dawn, right? If this was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and they worked some of this in there somehow, and it was like making these like really poignant points, I'd I'd probably mm -hmm. be like, oh man, it's it's you know it's tackling these big ideas, and it's just you know it's just a science fiction baby. This is this is doing <laughs> because and it's just about the skill that's that's at play here. Whereas I feel like this movie is very just in your face, and it's it's about as subtle as a, a dump truck. <laughs> you know, it's it's not. Sure. It, I think it, that's it's the point. It's why the uh, like the Star Trek, the original series Star Trek episode with the the people who have the split faces. So oh yes, they're yes. black on one side, and I the wonder... other ones are white on that side. And it's very like okay, we get it. Racism yes. is bad. <laughs> like, in in that, I I understand that feeling. Um, in this one, because I think it's the the entire plot revolves around this. That I think that it is appropriate to talk about in the film. Yeah. Um, I think maybe if there was more interesting things done with how the characters address it, though, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't think anything is like I feel like. There's a couple of lines where the white characters kind of just dismiss the idea. And yeah, really... he's like, we're all slaves in our own right. Like, well, that's not yeah, that... really the same. <laughs> and there's like a really racist line from one of the cops early on in the film. And it, yeah. I feel like if you'd actually explored that a little bit, if you'd actually explored, because this is the thing, is that the, the one black character we have, the only characteristic he really has is that he's a little bit sympathetic as part of the governor's like regime. And yeah. that's it. There's never any more to him. There's never any more of who he is, what his life is like. You know, how did he end up in this position? Like, I feel like if you want to actually give me this nuanced character, if you want to actually give me a character with depth and make me understand why he's slowly sort of sympathizing and why he's going down this path, but you're kind of boiled it down to just because he's black. And I think that makes it feel really shallow to me. Um, well, the other sympathetic character we have is Ricardo Montalban, another minority. I mean, like, he doesn't have the the history oh, of course of yeah. slavery and his ancestry not that i'm aware of anyway and then but you know he's he's also a sympathetic character and uh, maybe there could be more stuff that they could go down that path there could, there could be something to, to be said there but again i don't think the film really explores any of this really but you know i, I don't think it does and I, I i mean and there's there's blatant police brutality against the uh against the apes that we get to see and i don't know how much you how much you get to see in the theatrical version versus the unrated but um i mean they they we we watch a beating multiple beatings no i mean yeah, especially in the beginning i mean it's probably not as bloody but you do definitely see it like it's definitely mm -hmm. there um i just 
I mean, it's fine to have these things. I just don't think it's... It's, it's just the, exe it's the execution. I don't think it's that good. I think it's okay. It's okay and it's kind of light. And it's, <laughs> it's putting these big ideas in there. But I don't think it's actually doing that much with them. I, I think the characters are all pretty thin. There's not a lot of time devoted. Even Caesar himself, I don't think, is that deep a character. I don't feel like I really get to know him. I don't know. I disagree. <laughs> I, I don't think I do. I, I, I feel like his rise of trying to lead an uprising in the middle of the film is just it's like mostly off camera he's there's just there's yeah. all of a sudden the montage. that part does happen very fast yeah and I, f I felt that way about a lot of the advancements in the film where just all of a sudden there's a montage or all of a sudden whereas i'm like no give me a moment give me the moment where he gets the idea let me because because as much as it's not quite the same as the the performance in the newer films with the cg and being able to see all the body language to, to, to the same extent there's moments in this where you can see Roddy McDowell's eyes, and you can see the, the moments where he's reacting a certain way. And there's a moment, for example, like, latest shot in the film, but there's a moment where um, he's considering speaking to someone, and you can see that consideration in his eyes. And it's little moments like that where I'm like, oh no, this performance is really good, because I can see in his eyes that he's like, do I reveal who I am? Because obviously he's in hiding, he's not, he doesn't want people to know that he's the, he's the talking ape that exists, because everyone wants to yeah. kill him. And there's little moments like that. So give me, give me a moment where I can see this is okay this is the inciting moment for him and i know we, i know technically there is one in a way but it's again it's something that happens so separately and the moment where he reacts to it is quite good but give me something where he gets the idea give me something where i see where the the, the gears are turning in his head give me something where i see the the genesis of okay i'm going to actually lead some kind of revolution i'm going to do this i'm going to devote myself to this cause it's not just because he goes at the start of the film from just kind of being like oh why is it this way which actually legitimate complaint the opening like five minutes of the film once we get past the opening titles it's just Montalban like giving tons of exposition to Caesar even though Caesar's grown up in this world what is, is he just not mentioned any of this to Caesar until today when he's taking him to the city and even if he mm -hmm. had kept it secret because he didn't want to like you know burden him or worry him he wanted him to live like a normal childhood ape life whatever um you don't think it'd have been good to have this this little uh, list of things and rules and how you should interact in the world before you landed in the populated city, like away, <laughs> but back at the circus? Maybe I'd give him like a couple of days of saying, hey, this is how the world is. This is how you're going to have to operate. You're going to have to pretend to be a regular ape and not be intelligent, blah, 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 blah. Right? So I, I felt the writing. I felt the screenwriter being like, here, this is all the information you have to know from the last movie and all the <laughs> new information of why we're in this totalitarian society. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's basically what his character is there for until a crucial moment. Yes, and I, th I think that's the problem I have with the movie overall, is that everything just serves its basic principle with nothing else. And that's all it is throughout the movie. Everything is just there to serve the ultimate point they want to make by the end, as, a as opposed to me being engrossed by, you know, seeing certain... And there's little bits where it almost gets us. There's little moments where Caesar will see another ape being treated poorly, or there's, little, mm -hmm. there's moments where... I don't know, uh, like, you know, Caesar reacts to some news later on in the film that I do think are genuinely good on their own as little pockets of performance or little pockets of building things, but... Uh, yeah, or even there's a there's a really great scene where he first, like, ends up in a, in a camp of sorts, a training facility, and his reaction in that entire scene is very good, mm -hmm. I thought. Yeah, no, and his, that's... His acting, is, I think his acting is really great, especially because he's already been playing... A character like this for two other movies he wasn't technically in the second one uh someone else played him um but he's 
for 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 two films now he's played cornelius and he does feel like a younger a younger ape in this like a like someone who just has known uh, is very naive and and ignorant to to the world he he feels like a very different character that's what i'm trying to say yeah, and I think the casting of them makes sense. You know, this is not—it's not a new or weird thing to cast the same actor to play the the child of the you know the previous character. It's just, you know, it's a pretty done thing. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, you know, Back to the Future. <laughs> very. <laughs> Although Back to the Future yeah. gets really sloppy with it because you have like great grandparents are played by one actor, but then Crispin Glover plays the other actor in between. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, why does his grandfather look like Marty McFly, but the father, or the great-grandfather looks like Marty McFly, rather, but the father is Crispin Glover. It makes no sense. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I have to come down kind of, not like super harsh. I, I don't think this is a bad movie per se, but I don't think it's particularly great either. I think it, for me, it kind of falls somewhere in the middle where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be critical and I'm going to be harsh mm-hmm. and I'm going to say where I think it is just doing the bare minimum. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a time constraint. Uh, some of it does kind of match some of other the other things we've watched from the 70s where it feels like more of a conceptual film rather than like a fully fleshed out story that actually has mm-hmm. a, a proper beginning, middle and end and really feels like you've been through a journey by the end. Um, and the fact that we actually got a really good trilogy that kind of tackles the same story in some ways later only just kind of shines a light on all the things this film fails to do for me mm-hmm. uh so yeah uh that said the first time i saw this i think it was before i saw the new films so oh yeah i mean i watched these as a kid yeah i didn't see the sequels i, I didn't watch the original tells in high school so i saw them in my late teens yeah kind of, kind of time yeah they, these were a staple of my childhood so uh anything else to to talk about spoiler free wise um you know other performances are fine i mean they're whatever they're Uh, they're fine yeah spectacular yeah cinematography is not because that's the thing there's like there's some pretty good shots i thought actually there's a couple of good well i have i have a very conflicted feeling about the last 30 minutes because i think Half of it is quite good and atmospheric when it's quiet, but then mm-hmm. when there's actually just like lots and lots of fighting happening, it's just a mess of fighting and like there, nothing There's really... definitely no choreography. No. <laughs> it's it just that like, some people are going to die, some apes are going to die. <laughs> but just, it, it, just figure it out yourselves. Honestly, it's really boring. Like, see, once, so once they actually get to like just fighting, it becomes <laughs> really boring because it's just a mess of like bodies just throwing punches and stuff. Yeah. There's really almost nothing to it. And. So but I, I, I agree, f- but there are scenes like on the bridge and stuff where it's lit in the background. You're like, this is a really good shot. Like, oh, no, the, very... quiet, the quiet moments are great. The quiet or just like when... the shots of Caesar's face, like up close, I thought were really good where you can kind of see like how his character is turning. Um, I thought I thought the I actually really like the ending, but I like the unrated <laughs> version. Yeah, I, no, the quiet moments are great. Whenever it's like just them stalking and it's like building up to the fight starting, mm-hmm. that stuff is really good. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's probably the best, most atmospheric moments in the entire film, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Once the fighting actually starts, though, it's just kind of... There's one detail I like about it, but other than that, it just kind of becomes a mess of like, you know, lots of stunt people throwing punches and that's it. And it's like, this is just old Hollywood boring crap. I'm not... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just bored by this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just I'm waiting for people to be like harsh in the comments. We got we got we got a very 
critical comment in an old Twilight Zone today. Uh, oh no! Uh, some people like some people who, and they're definitely they're always older, and you can tell by the way their the comment reads. Uh, when you're critical of something that they've obviously grown up loving from their earlier life, they get very snooty and uh, is it patronizing. The, um, is it the robot episode? No, it wasn't. The, it was, okay. Nah, it wasn't that one. No. People were not happy with you with that one. Really? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, we had comments like that they were upset with your review. Not mine. Not mine. I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't remember, but okay. <laughs> I mean, you get. I, how could you? You put up like a hundred videos a day. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that specifically. Uh, I'll fill you in afterwards. I don't wait. I don't wait. Uh, you know, call out All a right. comment or two harshly specifically on on, a, on a, video. A, a mark on my hand, so I remember to ask about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. So, okay, yeah, I think we're ready to go to spoilers, so I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month, if I can find my mouse, there it is, uh, on the screen. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bored Now, Al Tribesman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. Those are our Patreon producers for the month, which means they are $20 or more over at patreon.com slash TV, and you get to be a producer for that amount. But you can support us for much less than that, can they, Tara? That's right. Uh, if you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as little as $1 per month, you will get bonus episodes of The Ace. Um, so check out our back catalog of B-movies that we have reviewed, including Time Cop, The Transfer Saga, Judge Dredd, the 95 version. Um, yeah, some David Carradine messes in there. <laughs> And uh, Red Brown. Brown, Garrett Graham, of course, the most important one. And um, yeah, so head on over there. And if you donate $5 per month, you will get access to these ACE reviews one day early. Some other shows you get a week early. So head on over and check it out. Thank you. And of course, if you can't uh, support us over on Patreon, that's okay. You can hit the like button uh, and comment. Those things do help us out a lot. Uh, even the snooty comments. Uh, so... <laughs> Keep them coming. <laughs> so, full spoilers then for Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. I, I always find that what happens with the snooty comments is that when it comes to a film like this, what will happen is, is that they won't like that I've been kind of harsh on it. And instead of trying to actually respond to what I'm saying about the film and why I think it's not as good. They accuse you of not liking slower cinema. No, no. Oh, no, that happens too. But they'll, they'll try and educate me on the problems that the film's talking about as if I don't understand the themes or if I don't understand, uh, you know. It's like, okay. I don't know. Just because the film... I, I, the film's about a really very real important thing in the world. Me, me saying the film... Do you know how many films are about like World War II or the Holocaust? It doesn't... Just because it's about that doesn't mean that the film itself is actually good. Just because it's tackling a really very real serious thing that we should all know about and learn about. Right? Mm-hmm. You could have a bad sure. movie about a good or well, a good thing, but you know what I mean, like an important thing that we have to talk about. Like, just because it's about a series. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm tangent. I'm mm. tangent. Is that what the Twilight Zone episode is? It wasn't. No, I, I but I, I carefully used examples that were not related to the episode, so no one could figure <laughs> it out. Uh, <laughs> although, funny enough, there's probably an episode that's about those subjects that, that similar, some similar comments been said on. So they're going to think it is, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna take my time. Anyway, full spoilers from this point on for Conquest for the Planet of the Apes. 
Uh, you have been warned. Uh, so the film opens uh, outside of just seeing all the apes getting like sort of rounded up in the streets. Uh, we have the exposition walk, as I'll call it, where not only does Caesar get to see various apes in like roles, one's a waiter, one's like you know uh, polishing shoes, one's picking up a delivery or something, and one's like in a barbers or whatever, and they're all being yelled at or complained about or yada yada yada. Uh, but it's mostly exposition. It's mostly Ricardo Montalban explaining the world to him. Even mm-hmm. though ninety five percent of this Caesar should already know. Yeah. Like how Well maybe I mean I get the impression that he was hiding Caesar very closely in the in the circus tent and so did not want him to see the outside world. Except I he I guess he's eighteen now, so he maybe he's just got cabin fever, he wants to see other apes, so this is like his big day, his big day out. Oh, but no. he probably should have like told them ahead of time. I don't like, think it's that. Of things. I don't think it's that at all. Uh, he because they're there to hand out flyers because Mantleboy wants to get his circus mm-hmm. going again. I don't think it's got anything to do with Caesar. <laughs> he, he's risking Caesar's life so they can go and uh, uh, shell his circus around. I don't know. Like <laughs> if you've been locked up in the circus tent for your whole life and you're 18, you oh, want to okay. go out and see the world. You don't think he, they had this conversation like, "Take me with you this time." Do you not think it would have been wise, again, although I'm, I'm making a different, slightly different point here, but much like I was saying earlier. Yeah, they this... should have gone through the rules before they left the house. Well, just that, not just that. He stands and explains the context of the world next to the statue in the middle of like a plaza. And I'm like, do you not think it's suspicious you're standing there having such an in-depth conversation with your ape who's not supposed to be able to speak? I mean, I talked to Foxy and Gus, my cat and dog. <laughs> like yes, but... people. Yes, but you speak to them differently. You don't speak to them the way you speak to a person. Foxy and I have had some very deep conversations. <laughs> you don't explain the. You don't sit down with Foxy and explain why there's like a, a virus right now. There's a pandemic going on, Foxy. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that it started in, in China and it spread. And now we all have to wear masks. And you, I, we've had this conversation oh, because oh, have I, I have okay. to explain to her why, why she can't just go up to strangers anymore and... The, they, they don't mm-hmm. want to come up to her and pet her because there's a pandemic. They don't want to get close to me, even though we're wearing masks right now. We've had this conversation. Okay. Is Foxy <laughs> wearing like a muzzle mask? To- oh, that would be so cute. <laughs> get a little doggy mask. No. <laughs> dog, dogs no. and cats can catch it. Uh, so, I mean, why not? Why not give them masks? Tigers do. Although I'd love to try and put a mask on any of my cats. They, they would not be entertained with that notion. Um, <laughs> I would never put a muzzle on Foxy. Never. <laughs> Even if she bites. Okay, so... Yeah, I, I basically... All this goes tits up immediately. Because there's uh, some brutality. There's an ape being uh, beat up on, on these steps. And Caesar, yeah, Caesar can't help but yell out, you know, dirty human bastards or something to that effect. And everyone's like, who said that? Who said that? And Montauban immediately goes, it was me. And he's actually like, <laughs> I said it, officer. <laughs> like, you don't sound like the same voice. It was me, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect Montauban. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where the cops don't believe him, so they're like, hey, Say it, yell, yeah. like, yell out, yeah. dirty human bastards, like, dirty human bastards. Like, he's so theatrical. 
Yeah. But what I love is that one 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 of the cops is like, yeah, it could be him. Like, are yeah, you right? deaf? Are you deaf? <laughs> no, I like it because I mean, you know, memory fades pretty quickly. Like, well, he was shouty and it was a man's voice, so it couldn't have been him. I mean, Caesar, right? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll show Mushroom Man. I forgot his name all of a sudden. Uh, hmm. Buddy Bedell, right? He's he's you know he's this sort of almost Shakespearean, you know, English thespian sort of voice. And then you have Montalban doing his accent. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, these two sound similar. They're going to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of passion in his voice. <laughs> uh, you almost say like Dracula. I'm almost, you know, there was a joke in the last movie where Zero is like, I, you know, I load bananas and that was her like, you know, talking mm-hmm. moment and it was quite funny. I almost wish it was done like Dracula now where uh, she just goes, I never eat banana. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, immediately though, uh, there's you know they have to run. There's a ruckus, uh, and Montalban is going to go and speak to the authorities to try and clear everything up. He's you know sees us to hide for a little bit, but if he doesn't come back, which he doesn't, he has to like pretend that he's he's come in with new arrivals from another country. So he's to infiltrate some arriving apes in a ship and make it look like he's just arrived with them. So there's no suspicious activity, yada yada yada. Which is what happens ultimately. He has to sneak into a cage and uh, it goes into the training program as uh, Montalban's held captive uh, for questioning because everyone's very suspicious. And the the governor immediately is like, you know, we believe that baby was sh- that that baby chimp was shot dead, but it could have been the wrong chimp, and you could have swapped the the chimp with another one. I Can know, you- like, why would they think this? They jumped to the right thing immediately. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. It's not the first time that this happens either. Last time, you mean? You mean that's not the last yeah. time? Yeah, this <laughs> is the, the first time. That is the first time. It's not the last time that this happens. <laughs> so it's exactly the first time it happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did that part out so that I look better. I totally will. Narrator voice, he did not. <laughs> I know, you never do. Such a jerk. You should be wearing the turtleneck. <laughs> hey, turtlenecks don't, don't mean evil necessarily, just in this movie. Yeah. I'm sure there's another one. Someone's going to point out another like, sci-fi movie where all... It's just, because it's the 70s, they don't have the budget to create kulosh outfits, so it's just, no, turtlenecks! Turtlenecks are the outfit of the future. <laughs> We can go buy like fifty of those at the store, so we'll just go do that. It's easier. Our old to... future. I love it. They used to tailor things. I love that all the apes are wearing um clothes too, so they don't have to make costumes with all the fake fur. <laughs> that's true, yes. I mean that's the real reason for it, is they all have to do the hands, feet and head for the most part. And a yeah. mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh so yeah, I mean the the Caesar stuff is that he gets taken to this training camp. Now I do think the way this place is set up is like a little poorly thought out from like a set design point of view. I don't understand why it's like a central area and there's just little booths of like training apes to do different things. It feels a bit weird that they're all kind of in one central area. But that said, there's an outdoor area too. Yeah. That said, though, uh, the reaction to like Caesar seeing like how various apes are conditioned to learn certain skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, I mean, the first one did make me scratch my head a little bit. I wasn't really sure why there was disco lights in the first 
area where they were learning how to like pour water into a glass but this must be a set from another movie uh, yeah, they're borrowing or something that's what it feels like because yeah. some of them are quite dark when we got to the next one and they were trying to condition them to fire because we, we learned earlier on that one of the waiters at this restaurant this ape uh got scared of the the, the, the flame at the the grill or whatever mm-hmm. and the the guy who runs the place like, oh i told him to condition for fire this is an outrage i need my money back and so we see like how they get conditioned for fire they, they get conditioned by like a guy with a flamethrower just kind of like flaming them constantly near them yeah and, and another guy's trying to give him a banana so they yeah. have to reach through the flames to get the banana and we know that they're starving them so that's why they're conditioned to do that yes yeah super super dark stuff um mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, eventually Caesar's put in a, a cell with a few other apes. Well, there's, and... a, there's another oh. one that we see where he gets put in like a. Uh, we see an ape get put in a like a torture chamber device. I don't know. It's like a, it, it's a bed where he's strapped in, and then they put a oh that's, something that's just, around his head. Yeah. That's just teaching the importance of the word no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, no comes with pain, and the pain is electricity, which comes back later. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, no is a very important word in this film. Yes, yes. Uh, so, but eventually, he, you know, he shows some compassion by like sharing his banana with a few other apes in the cell, and there's a sweet moment. Uh, the Montalban stuff that's going sort of alongside this uh, is that you know he's questioned. They don't really believe him. They keep him for questioning. They eventually just kind of say, "Ah, we believe you." Here, sign a you know this uh, statement, and you can free to go. After, of course, he's he's sitting or authenticator, and Montalban's like what does this invent authenticator do and is it i'm like what, what, do, what do you mean what does it do what do you think it sounds like it does it's a lie detector <laughs> like it's, it's clearly what it is <laughs> yes i can't do the accent all right I'm i just, know it's I'm, just so bad <laughs> i'm just doing a generic accent to show that i'm doing someone with an accent mm-hmm. uh, and he eventually basically just admits everything like oh no yes it's uh their kid and they talks and Blah, 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 well, blah. he doesn't. He says he he gets forced into saying one thing, like he knew that oh, Cornelius' no, right, right. name. He, he's about to because he, he's, he's asked the, the yeah the, the important question, which is okay, the actual backstory stuff, and he just refuses and stands up because basically he's under like a sort of beam. So once he steps out of it, he's okay. So he steps out of it, and he has the most hilarious death in the whole movie, where and the struggle he just falls out a window and it cuts to like that pov spinning shot of him going down but there's like you hear his scream as he's and i'll be i'm sorry but this is just a really comical it's a very quick sudden death it's very yeah, comical the, i don't think that this is in the unrated version really well, like he definitely goes out the window but you just see the buildings like ah, okay. to, to indicate that he's falling you don't actually see him falling which is a lot more effective. It's a bit. <laughs> it sounds like the other one's very goofy. It's a bit. Uh, I, I still think it'd be a bit sudden, but yeah, the, the goofiness of it would definitely be diminished heavily by not having mm-hmm. the the POV spinning as it, as you hear the scream. Uh, yeah, I don't remember seeing that before, but yeah, very I sudden. believe you. Uh, but uh, in me- in the meantime of this, like Caesar has been uh, trained. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's been yeah. He's he's up for sale. He's up for auction. Uh, the the governor, the evil governor, like buys him. Uh, After and then, he gets chosen to breed. That oh, that's a really weird scene actually, because he, he goes into because because you hear like an announcement say, uh, he'll get like one chimp and three gorillas for breeding, and like but only the prime specimen, yeah. sweet line, yeah. But he's taken to like a cell, 
And what I thought was weird, and part of what makes this movie kind of goofy and, you know, not that good, is that is a scene like this where he comes into the cell and the female chimp has got, like, her arm and leg up and she's sort of looking at him like, hey. she's Yeah, she's, like, crinkling her nose, like... She's like Hey, I'm re- in a seductive way yeah she's like i'm ready big boy i'm like what is this <laughs> what is this and they don't get any ape on ape contact so you know <laughs> just a little treat i guess i yeah I, I just i don't i don't understand why the female ape is, is seducing him like uh well like a human basically <laughs> you know mm-hmm. with, with like proper seduction it just it felt weird yeah, she um, probably should be like dancing around, flinging her feces, throwing stuff in the air. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's how apes do it. And <laughs> and yeah, I, I, it feels like the sort of scene where Caesar, you know, as as a, an intelligent being, should say, "I don't think I approve of being thrown in a cage and been forced to mate." Or at least yeah, feel but kind he's of, eighteen. At so. least feel kind of reluctant. <laughs> Instead, he just kind of goes, "Hmm, hmm, I think I might dabble a little bit." Yes. <laughs> When the offer presents itself, uh, I just it feels it feels a bit. Uh, I don't know. It's a really weird scene. It, yeah, it's very quick and forgettable. It feels. It feels. Uh, that's what she said. Uh, it feels. <laughs> it feels. He. It feels like he's a character Thanks. and how he does this. And it also feels just really weird and silly how she's acting. Like this, this ape <laughs> in the scene. So no, no one comes out of this scene looking good. But the scene's just bad <laughs> and goofy. It doesn't really lead to anything other than maybe no. Caesar has spread his seed. Yes, yes. So there's more intelligent apes coming in the next generation. Yes. Yes. And we can only just assume that between this and the next movie, he probably spread his seed quite a bit. Well, he has to for the good of the race. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yes. Uh, I'm sure his girlfriend understands. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That argument never works with me for some reason. Uh, <laughs> um, so. <laughs> um, yeah. So. He gets bought by the the governor, uh, and it's our, our sort of you know Armando's our no wait, not Armando Armando's Montenblan Han where's the where's the character? Is the governor? No, I'm looking for McDonald. Oh yeah, that's right. His name's Mister McDonald. Uh, the black character or or one sympathetic character is Mister McDonald. Mm. Yeah. Um, which I remember kind of chuckles like that's a really Scottish name for for this guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but he, uh, you know, he's training Caesar how to like pour the, and obviously Caesar knows how to pour a glass of water. But he intentionally gets. The, I mean, it's actually like a like a it's like a gin or something. But there's, there's like a sort of chaser or whatever. Like a scotch and soda. Yeah, but he 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 deliberately messes up the second part so that you know he doesn't appear too smart. And this is a uh, one of the sort of the direct sort of lines that kind of stick out here, where McDonald says, you know, because because they all sort of yell about him and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, just you know. Usually, like sympathy or empathy is not, enc- or intelligence isn't too, you know, encouraged in slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is when the governor's like, "Ah, we're all slaves in one way or another. Shut your mouth!" Like he gets really dismissive, kind of throws it away. Um, and that, this is actually after there was a scene earlier on, uh, on its own, where they're talking about how the fact that there was an ape that killed its master uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, and it sounds quite vicious. And it's like, okay, okay, that sounds quite serious. But then McDonald points out that the ape was found with lots of marks and bruising, and as, as if it had been like tormented it, yeah. and tortured for a while. It, it was a retaliation thing, yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm kind of siding with the ape, and yeah. But you know, the, the humans like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. She's been, you know, outrageous. It, he probably anyway. deserved it. Yeah, yeah. That's what he said. Um, there's also, I think, in this scene where we find out that because they they want to send him back to like the ape rehabilitation center or something, 
mm-hmm. and then they we find out well they're, they're too full like if ev- if we sent every ape to be rehabilitated then they wouldn't be able to fit any apes in there so it kind of gives caesar the idea that they can be overwhelmed yeah with apes yeah numbers if are people, if they start to revolt then yeah they have too many numbers yeah which is good that there's a place for him to get that information they also let him <laughs> pick his name and he's already got a name but he so he just he just like because they give him like a dictionary or whatever and uh book of names and he, he, like they give him a demonstration but caesar just like finds his own name <laughs> he just looks it up he's like that caesar that's the one yeah <laughs> He's like, although I think he was named Milo at the end of the last film, because that was the name of the other. But I don't, maybe Ricardo Bontabon didn't want to keep the name Milo. Well, he was called. Then, he, he did call him Caesar at the start of the film, so he it's yeah. not it's not new at this point. Like he, uh, yeah. he was going by that already. But you're you're right. I mean, yeah, obviously something changed. I, I guess after a while, he just changed it back to what the parents wanted or whatever. Yeah, maybe they. Well, he was named Milo. I think after the 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 ape that was killed in the in um escape from the planet because there was three of them initially that came to the past oh and yeah, one of them yeah, died yeah. so they i think they named him milo after that guy but it would make sense that ricardo montabon who's harboring an ape that should be dead yeah would give him a different change name. his name yeah and obviously it's not one you know accident he's caesar given where the plot goes and that he's going to lead a revolution and whatnot um but yeah one of the best scenes of the movie is probably where he finds out that Montalban's died. Uh, mm-hmm. Where he's, he sees the poster. Uh, or, yeah, whatever in the street. And he just sort of starts crying. It's a, it's a good little scene. Um, it does kind of inspire things a bit too quick. Where we immediately go to a montage of the plan kind of unfolding after this. So I, I don't like that part of it. But um, the montage itself, of course, does have... It's like all the various apes we saw at the start of the film. So now they're intentionally messing things up. The idea being that if they all get sent to rehabilitation, you know, they're going to be able to form some of thing. But also the fact that a lot of them are like, you know, stealing things or, or swiping blades or guns. And to the point where because they don't expect apes to write, there's no suspicion of like, like you know, other writing. Yeah, so, Caesar so, will change the shopping list yeah. and collect more weapons. So, I mean, that, that stuff is... It's just mostly good. Like I say, it's all a bit quick. It feels like it jumps to it really quickly for me. Um, I almost like, I think there should really be a scene of him convincing, not all the apes to help him, but I think there should be a scene of him convincing one ape to help him. It's just to give us an example of, okay, this is how he's going to start gaining followers, even though they're not intelligent like him yet. Yeah, we sort of just start to see, like, apes turn on their humans or do things wrong on purpose Yeah. without knowing, like, how Caesar knows them. It's just, like, you will see, like, a shot of Caesar giving the... Okay, eyes. Yeah, like go ahead. It's it's time to do this. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, we don't, yeah. There's no context for how, like, he's actually amassed this sort of level. Yeah, of it's just all of a sudden he's a leader of this group of people of apes that are collecting weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, it just glosses over stuff, and it, uh, you know, that's uh, again, it kind of boils back to where my my main problems with the film lie is that it just mm-hmm. doesn't develop this stuff enough. But yeah, I share that. Um. But of course, they do eventually nab him, uh, because they're, they're hunting him down constantly, and uh, McDonald does help him, uh, and Caesar does choose to speak to McDonald uh, and reveal who he is, and McDonald tries yeah, to talk him down. Yeah, he helps him because the governor finds out, like, through his lackeys or whatever, that he has the talking ape, which somehow they're able to conclude very quickly <laughs> that um, that he was sold the ape that should be 
that is the talking ape. Well, it's because but... they, they find out that it, there was an extra chimp on the shipping like yeah. cargo, and they're able to trace where that ape was sold to and where it ended up going. So that's how they're able to track that ape to Caesar. Um, right. It's just it, it's it's just another one of those examples of like how their how the governor's like aid finds out that there's like he's going over all the shipments of each cargo of apes mm-hmm. like one at a time and okay <laughs> i guess the the uh, assistant to the governor would would have that access i don't know why he's doing it though because <laughs> he's evil and he wants to find uh... yeah and <laughs> like he's i don't know they're just able to make the connections really fast because they all every time he shows up with the, like two guards behind them they're always walking in unison again very kind of mm-hmm. nazi ss sort of looking and feeling the way they're moving yeah and some of them even have uniforms that look very SS. Obviously, they're not wearing the actual armbands or anything, but... Uh, no, ha- no. But, you know, but it's these black military uniforms. Um, so they do actually get Caesar, and it's like, but Donald actually saves them by turning the power off to the electrocution device uh, just before they, they, they flip the kill switch. Because Caesar does speak to them briefly, because he's in pain and he says, have pity as he's dying. They're like, no, let's just kill him anyway, because we don't want to have this to go any further. We don't want to have any yeah. problems. We can't let this future happen this future where humanity is doomed yeah but Medalls turns off the power and caesar fakes it so they think they've killed him and caesar's able to go and start his yeah. revolution i like the guy who's in charge of like the flipping the switch is just like he's dead without like really checking especially since there's a, there's a close-up on the camera of like, the little dial and the meter mm-hmm. not moving up when he's flipping you know when he's turning up the dial yeah the well he's looking at the table yeah he's not looking at the dial and caesar's putting on a show and you know doing whatever um, I guess Caesar in his mind is just like, oh, I'm not feeling it. This is luck. Oh, I'll just pretend. Ah, they'll think I'm dead. Like, it's lucky that he yeah. was able to, like, you know, think quick enough to pretend to be ki- He knows dying. how to react. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but this is, this is where I get conflicted with the, the, sort of the last, like, 20 minutes or so, is because whenever it's them walking around in a group quietly, I mean, it was actually a little bit before that, they, they, but they break it out of the, the rehabilitation center where they're killing the guards there, and, and this is where the flamethrower guy is and where the other tests were. That, that happens mm-hmm. first, but then once they're out in the streets, there's some great stuff of them walking down these dark, like, uh, streets with just a bit of light behind them. It feels very kind of eerie and quiet. There's no music, yeah. which I think is a really smart choice. Um, it actually, in a bizarre way, it made me think a little bit of certain shots from A Clockwork Orange. And it's not the same feeling. <laughs> yeah, I I had yeah. the same thought. But there's definitely Honestly. some similar vibes. And it is worth mentioning, this came out a year after Clockwork Orange. so Maybe Kubrick was a fan. The influence... Wait, why? No, the other way around. Oh, a year after? Yeah. 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 Well, maybe these guys are a fan of Kubrick. Of course they are. Of course, of course the, the, every schmuck who's in Hollywood was a fan of Kubrick. I know. <laughs> Only the greatest director ever. Sure. <laughs> it's fine. The director of this movie, because I, I looked him up, uh, I was curious. He'd been directing movies for a long time before this. He, he, he actually made the original Cape Fear uh, in 1962. Oh. So he goes way back. Uh, he'd, he'd been making movies since 1950 uh, mm. and made them up until 1989. Uh, so, you know, uh, including... And his, his output does seem to vary to a lot of lower class stuff. I mean, I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if Death Wish 4 is uh, seen as the pinnacle of movie making, but... Is that with Bronson still? I think so. I think he did most of them, did he not? Yeah, I think he did like six of them. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um... Until uh, Bruce Willis decided to do every right wing right wing nuts 
dream movie with the yeah. remake. I never saw I it, but the trailer... Refuse. I refuse. The trailer made me roll my eyes very yeah. hard. Um, so... Yeah, once the actual fight... And the, the one detail I really liked, though, in the fighting is... Uh, so the one group of apes get killed quite quickly by, like, a you know a team of soldiers, uh, riot police, whatever. Um, when Caesar and that come up afterwards and there's some dead apes, and it feels quite dark, it feels quite stark, I like that the way they sort of attack the humans is they've got some apes up on the roof and they jump down with nets. I like that because it was a really neat callback to the original film yeah. because they used nets on humans in the original. I like that detail. That was a nice touch. Yeah. I mean, I, even though the apes have guns, like they still choose to bludgeon with the guns instead of shooting them. Like they, they are still animals. They don't but, really know how everything works, you know? Yeah, except Caesar, obviously. There's, a, there's actually a couple yeah. of stupid moments later on where when they're coming up to the main plaza of the, the building where the governor is, and there's a bit another big riot squad and they're they're fighting because they try and talk to them at first you know the, the, the riot guy's got the megaphone there's a couple of stupid moments in this where some of the the, the the police are just standing still firing even though caesar's firing a machine gun i was like you're not gonna try and take cover they just stand there and wait to get shot it's just <laughs> it's, what's, it's what's some of these dumb like movie moments where there's no yeah. thought to what the characters are doing and the action scene and in the unrated version we get a lot of like tomato soup being thrown into the faces of Oh, really? and apes and there's a good shot where a guy gets like um punched by an ape and you just see like come out of his mouth like obviously he was holding on to it it was great damn i wish i'd seen this it was cut. a really good scene yeah that sounds like a, a more fun because I, I was honestly mostly bored during this fight scene because it was mostly just a bunch of extras yeah yeah fighting. there are a couple of good shots but for the most part you're right it is very much um just just fight each other that's my direction <laughs> that's what it feels like yeah yeah. No flow to it, uh, anyway. Uh, it part should be mostly apes that win, so just, there it is. Go. Yeah. <laughs> the part I did like, though, is that when they break into the, the command centre, and, and as this has been going on, the apes that they've got as servants in the command centre eventually start sort of fighting back, to the point where the governors will just shoot them all. And one of them is mm -hmm. kind, I mean, this is very thin, but one of them is kind of Caesar's love interest. Not the one that he had a yeah. sex with in the, at least I don't think it was. Uh, I, I don't know, honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if it was the same one. I think it might have been. Well, maybe they it had was. the same color eyes. <laughs> but uh, she, she does get shot here too. She doesn't die, but the other ones who are in the room die. But I did kind of like when they're so the apes are like basically coming through with like a like a blowtorch blow torch. to yeah. get through, and like I did like as soon as they got the door in, they immediately just jumped in and started firing and killed most of the humans very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and this leads to one of two big speeches at the end. And this is, Caesar's got the governor and he's like, okay, what was different about us? Why why weren't we just pets like cats and dogs? Why did you have to turn us into slaves? And uh, that's an interesting thought coming from, I think, is he's saying, you know, being pets wouldn't necessarily have been that bad. If, we, if, we, you know, if we're never going to get more intelligent, if we're just going to be pets, yeah. whatever. Uh, because let's face it, some dickheads aside, we're pretty nice to our pets. Uh, all, all I would concerned. say we treat our pets better than we treat any other animal. And he gives this speech about, well, because we evolved from ape and ape represents the, the beast that's inside every man and we have to control it. We have to dominate it. We, he gives this, you know, speech. You remind us of the, the animals that we still are or something. I actually really like the speech and coming from like this guy who's super campy and his acting and like, like just so evil. Like, I, I don't know. Like I got into it. I thought it was pretty good. It's not a bad speech. It kind of... Like the movie, like kind of lost me by this point, so I wasn't necessarily like waiting for like 
big oh this is the scene or this is the the speech where i'm just like all right i'm back in <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like, okay all right it wasn't a terrible speech and at least them going outside uh mcdonald you know because i think all the apes about to kill mcdonald and caesar comes up and says no 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 no, he's he's good he's all right <laughs> leave yeah. him alone uh but there's this debate that happens with the outside so i'm going to tell you what happens in the theatrical cut and then you can tell me the alternate cut because this is where i assume it gets very different yeah so so the governor's pinned down with some apes uh lisa's there which is the the female ape that is kind of the love interest i think it was it lisa i think it was lisa i think so lisa yeah. or liza liza maybe, maybe. Yeah. regardless uh female ape basically they're, they're still killing some of the guards and stuff and mcdonald's like hey why are you not showing mercy why are you doing this what gives you the right to do this and caesar responds with oh i have the right of a slave to like fight back against my against my oppressor yeah and McDonald, and McDonald actually says the line, as a descendant of slaves, I'm asking you to show mercy. Um, you know, humanity. Start, you know, this is inhumane. And Caesar responds with, well, I wasn't born of humans. I'm not a human. And he basically is going full, like, like dictator, well, not dictator, but like full-on revolutionary leader, violent, willing to do anything it takes. And this is where I was kind of like, you know what? Being a fan of the newer movies, I kind of don't like Caesar being this kind of like black and white, like this one note kind of, harsh and villainous and, and whatever mm-hmm. but in the theatrical cut it takes a bit of a turn because as he's about to give the order to kill uh the governor and everyone else is still alive human wise because uh, he's saying ah you know tomorrow the apes on five continents will you know copy what we did here today it'll spread and there'll be more of us and blah blah uh the female ape uh, lisa or whatever name i'm forgetting she kind of like stutters and says no she actually wants caesar to show compassion and this is what actually makes him to say okay and he changes his speech and the final speech of the movie is no we are going to become the dominant species on this earth but uh god's willing given us the right to rule with mercy and rule with compassion and we're better so we're going to uh and today is the dawn or it doesn't say dawn but today is the you know the, the, what, I, what was, I don't know it's not why the titles of the movies but it's, it's today's the birth of the planet of the apes today's the genesis of the planet of the apes so it ends with the title of the franchise mm-hmm. and it just ends pretty much there it goes to credits as some sort of roaring and cheering and whatever so on the one hand i don't like how one note he is being so kind of like i'm going to kill all the humans i hate humans long live the apes that feels really harsh but on the other hand it also feels like the kind of chicken out by having them at the last very very last minute go you know what yeah we should have compassion because it doesn't really feel like the movie's built up to him making this choice and yes there because because everything up before this point is that his entire motivation is almost spurred on by the death of a human mm-hmm. being that's what kind of really motivates him to get going and then when he argues with mcdonald about you know trying this revolution and mcdonald says oh, it'll probably fail he's like yeah it probably will but the second time it may not. The third time, probably not. You know, we'll keep we'll keep yeah. trying. We're going to keep going. It doesn't feel like it's building up to eventually say, no, we're better. Because I do like overall, I like the idea of saying, no, we had to overthrow you because you were doing a shitty job. You were being awful and being monstrous. But we are better than you. We will rule with compassion. We were going to make a better earth and you'll have a place in it. If the movie but actually, we'll have to be in charge for that yeah. to happen. But if the movie was building to that point, because one of the things that he says to uh, McDonald is, you know, because Madal says some of us aren't cruel, some of us are kind, and he says, "Yes, yeah, some of you are, but most of you aren't, and you won't be kind unless you're you're taught to be kind, unless you're you know we, we force you to be kind." Mm-hmm. And I think 
if it felt like it was building up to him saying, no, we are going to be better, we are going to be more humane than humans are, because that, I mean, hell, that sentence almost writes itself to be like a nice poignant beat, right? Say, no, we're going to prove we're better humans than you are, we're going to have more humanity than you, and we're going to be better, and we're going to treat you better than you ever treated us, and we're going to show you what compassion and what a good mm-hmm. civilization actually is. Instead, it feels like ugh, the girl really, like, says no, and he just kind of goes, oh, yeah, second thought, second thought, yeah, uh, to compassion, yes. Well, yeah, but also, like, she says no. She has the ability to speak. Like, that's a oh, big yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to gloss over that. Of course, it's a big deal that she is also gaining intelligence. And Right, which means, like, this is something that humans did without even realizing it. You know, like, a lot of domesticated animals are smarter than, you know, non-domesticated ones. Like, this is a thing that happens. Pigs have, like, the intelligence of, like, a two- or three-year-old human child or something like that. And... It just happens through domestication. I, you know, I'm sure dogs are smarter than a lot of like a, hamsters. I'm actually I don't know for that. For sure, but, <laughs> um, but it, you know, like. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was talking. So I was just talking. I was talking more about his decision and the speech he makes at the end. I wasn't talking about the other part of it, which is a cool. Yeah. The apes are also gaining intelligence deal. with it. No, it is a big deal, but that's not the complaint I was making. The complaint I'm making is that it feels like he just flips at the end. And I'm not really satisfied with before he makes the flip. I'm not satisfied mm-hmm. after he makes the flip. I'm just kind of left with going, I guess that's where it has to go. Fine. I guess we're going. I, I don't really feel like the movie built up to yeah. him making this great decision that felt like, no, this is the right one. And I'm satisfied that he made it. And he showed like this growth that the humans couldn't. The movie's yeah. not built around it. It doesn't build up to it that way. So with that said, well, how does it differ? So, yeah, the, the unrated cut, cut, which is the original cut of the film, which was altered in order to make it more PG, is very different. Um, the female does not speak up. So we just get the images of Caesar with fire around him, watching like all the bodies of humans being piled up by apes. And he gives this speech of rage towards mankind. And... McDonald still says like you <laughs> you the same lines but then when he's done with his anger speech all the other apes kind of look down at the governor and bludgeon him to death and that's where the movie ends the movie ends with no <laughs> you guys were awful to us you don't deserve this world anymore and we are going to start the planet of the apes I mean they don't say the title in mm. the end of this movie it's very, it's very it it's ends very at the end of his speech it's yeah. very hollywood for them to actually yell out that, that was the start of the planet right. of the apes i will concede right. that caesar's <laughs> last line is that speech of anger and rage and like i've taken everything from you now like this this world doesn't belong to you anymore and it ends with the yeah with our villain being you know yeah, bludgeoned to it- death I want to make it clear that I have no problem with the darker ending and I have no problem with a Caesar who is this, you know, this this driven. You really do compare this a lot to the new movie and I don't blame you because I also love those films. But I mean, when these movies were written, they didn't have a plan. This was going to be the end of the Planet of the Apes series as far as they knew when this scene, when this movie was over. And when I watched the the unrated version, hold on. When okay, I watched okay. the unrated version, I literally like had to pick up my jaw. Like I was so blown away with how this movie ended that I really elevated it to me. 
I don't think the movie earns the ending, though. This is the thing. Like, I'm oh, not, I do. I, I, I mean, they I killed his only sympathetic human by throwing him out of the window. Or he fell, fell, but Caesar doesn't know. Once the last sympathetic human in his life dies, like that's when the turn happens. Yeah, like, sure, that... some of them are good. McDonald's good. I'm sure there are other good humans out there, but most of you are bad. So we're taking over. Yeah, no, no, no. It technically does happen, but it happening is not enough. There has to be more to the actual storytelling of the journey of how he gets to that point. It's a, it's a flip. It's a switch that's flipped. There's no progression in the writing in his character. He's just all of a sudden the leader. He's just all of a sudden a revolutionary. There's mm -hmm. no like a good bit of storytelling here, right? If, if if the entire movie's going to build up to this dark moment where he turns, where this is the direction he's going, and it ends in this dark sour note, then it should be a, a character study of this character as he is being pulled between which direction he's going to go in, and mm -hmm. we should feel the the weight and the impact of why he's letting it go this way at the end, and we should feel the sadness of the tragedy. We should feel the the dark tragedy of. Oh no, he's going down well, this dark path. I don't think we don't I don't think we know exactly how far down the path he's gone. We don't know until he makes that speech at the end. Which is why in the theatrical version when he switches to the opposite, it it feels very unnatural and weird and I don't like it. And like he it it's also like obviously ADR and it's just a lot of the shots done <clears throat> again, like reused footage. It was not, nothing was shot new for that tacked on speech at the end they just like had roddy mcdowell say the line <laughs> yeah no i mean you're comparing the, the new tacked on ending to the original one what i'm saying here is that the original one while better i don't actually think retroactively makes the fact that the journey to get there really like the ending alone on its own mm -hmm. i'll think is enough you have to have the meat building up to it to make it feel well, like it I has think, impact. I think it is there. I think it is there. And I think we just don't know how far down, like we don't know like how far Caesar is going to take this until the very end we see, oh, he's taking this all the way. Like he's totally gone. He has no sympathy left for hum for humans. And I think, I think it works in this film. Um, I know, I know you want to have a pull of the good or <laughs> the light or the dark, that he feels more of. Well, give, get, but, like, that's the example I'm giving. Give me anything. This movie is far yeah. too bare bones. I don't think any of this is there at all. I think there's... But I don't so, I don't realize until the very end that he has gone all the way to... to because, of <laughs> because of bad rain. Because of bad rain. No, I think it's it's a shock and I think that I, I like it though. Like it's, it's unexpected and it's... But it does sort of hold up with the way the movie was going. There was nothing that tells me that he should have been going to the other side. I just was hoping that he would because yeah, but I wanted it, to see that. This ending would work if we got to this point and him going down this darker path when he sort of lets this happen, this really dark kind of death happen at the end and where this is this ending leaves us. This mm -hmm. would work if your reaction was like, oh, maybe I didn't see that coming. Maybe it is a shock, but it really makes sense. It really feels mm -hmm. right because of the journey we've seen him go through in this movie. That what I'm saying is, I think we barely see him go through a journey in this movie. Oh, because... we do. We totally do. We see him get he. First of all, his owner gets killed, in a way, and then he gets tortured and he gets sold as a slave. He gets told the word no over and over again. He watches his brethren get beaten and murdered all the time, and then he is asked to to be sympathetic and to not be pure evil we... and let humans live <laughs> and let humans live 
And then he says, no, like in his own way, he says no by giving this speech, like, screw you guys. <laughs> we we get the cliff notes of his journey. We don't actually get the journey itself. We get the co- everything. There you just are told parts me- that are rushed and I would agree that I would I, like to see no, but more, my problem. but is I don't it- think that it takes away from the ending. Everything you just listed there is the level of depth the movie actually gives you. Mm-hmm. It gives you just that his, his mentor, father figure human is killed. He reacts, he's upset. That's it. There's no more to it than that. And then, yeah. oh, he sees these other things happen. He's sold as a slave. He is. He is sold as a slave. And we get one or two scenes of him being a slave. And that's it. There's there's no inner struggle. There's there's no moments of, He like, gets tortured. What about that scene? He gets tortured. Yeah, but it's, it's all just very, like, individual. His girlfriend gets shot. <laughs> his his brothers get killed. Um, I, I think... I think there's enough there and I think Roddy McDowell's performance and his reactions to each scene are really good that I think I think this really works. I don't think most of these moments are given the weight they're supposed to have and I, feel I think like they could have more. They're, they're just a, they're, I mean they're kind of what you're giving me here they feel like a list of bullet points. Technically we t- checked all these boxes we went through mm-hmm. all these moments they're there but I don't actually feel like any, most most of them I won't say all of them but most of them don't feel like they actually have the weight like Where's his sadness? I, I don't get a scene where I feel like he's realized he's a slave and he's in a cage and he feels alone and helpless. I don't feel him being helpless at that point in the movie. I feel like he's just reacting to what he sees around him because it's like a movie with a guy in an ape costume. I don't feel a moment where he's like scared or he feels like he's alone because his mentor's been killed. We see him cry, but we don't see a moment where, oh, like he actually feels lost and alone. And maybe that's why he's inspired to to build a new civilization because like no i don't have to be alone i can have this i can i can form new allies and new family and new friends but we don't get anything like that we don't get any kind of moment where he like feels the fear of anything and the fear could turn to rage which could then turn to the ending like there could be a progression here that actually has moments where i feel the emotion coming from the character throughout the film mm-hmm. instead i get a film where the the bullet points that you know the check boxes are ticked as we go down the key events that will get to, to the end so that you can sit there and give me yeah technically this happens and this happens and this happens but i don't feel the impact of any of them i i, I see just a list of things happening and that's kind of what it feels like in the movie it feels like a, a a sequence of various incidents with them that i never really feel get the gravitas of the moment like yeah, even that moment where he's in the cell with the first apes after he is uh, like t- given the tour of the, the rehabilitation place. And they're all sort of fighting over this one banana because the the, the guard is cruel and only gives him one banana. Mm-hmm. And he he barks at them a little bit. Not literally, I'm using that as a metaphor. And he says, no, wait. And he breaks off you know, the banana one by one and gives him each an equal share of the banana. And even that moment, I felt like this could have been better. Like, I like what they're doing here, but I should have felt more from this. I should have, like, something more from these other apes that are just, like, they're receiving, like, kindness from someone when they're not used to it. Like, this could have felt like a more prominent moment for the character. And there's a, and, and yes, it does hurt that I know there's a much better journey to go through with this concept and these characters. It does. But even removing the later films and removing everything else, I think this film is kind of mediocre. And I don't think the ending saves it. Like, is what I'm saying. Okay, well, you haven't seen the ending that I saw, and I think the ending is spectacular. <laughs> okay, but even even if I, even, even I liked that watching ending, though, this Caesar go on his Walter White journey, 
to just being the bad guy at the end. Oh, see, that, see you've made a mistake here. You've made a fundamental mistake there because comparing any like, character joy to Walter White is a is a bad idea. Because well, I didn't it... even finish it because it was way too long. <laughs> How dare you? What? <laughs> but, but I know what happens. But, but that, that's I mean, what you just said is kind of what I want. I want Caesar as Walter White in this movie. I want the Walter yeah. White Caesar journey. And... But that's it. At the end, he gives the "I am the one who knocks" speech, <laughs> and I felt nothing from it because, like, it didn't have the same gravitas. Not just because it's not Brian Cranston, not just because it's not Vince Gilligan writing for four seasons when <laughs> it gets to that point. <laughs> but well, no, I I definitely disagree. I think that I think the reactions that you're looking for are there, and maybe on a rewatch you would see them. I I I see Caesar's pain well, that, when he goes the... through everything. I see his reactions i think i think roddy mcdowell did a really excellent job acting through and through the the eight makeup he, he does it he does a good job with what he's given right? but i don't think he's given that much given especially given the, the material that is there... kind of dealing with but also i'd like to add you said maybe in a rewatch this is a rewatch i've seen it before this wasn't a first okay. time watch watch the unrated version oh my god i'm not watching <laughs> it again I don't, I don't like it enough to watch it again <laughs> I do, and I will. Like I know you love the series, I know you do, but I do. They're not all that good, okay? Like I really, the first one's a great movie. Third one's fun. Second one's got its moments, right? The third one's also surprisingly dark, as we talked about last time. Yeah, the third one's really good. Uh, but I, I do think this is where it kind of, I won't say it goes off a cliff, but I feel a diminished return here. I, I feel like. They're throwing it, and the the general idea of the movie is pretty good. Like the general idea, because we're saying there's a lot of potential in this journey. The fact mm-hmm. that we just said this should be the Walter White of the Planet of the Apes movies, where we see him go through this Walter White esque journey, tells you exactly what what potential I think is in this character. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean way. it's not the same Caesar as the one that you love from the new trilogy, no. but like I watched the movie where I saw the our protagonist become the bad guy at the end of it, and I loved it. Like I really. I, I really did not expect it, and it really got Wait, me. Are you talking about this movie? Yeah, because I watched the, the unrated version. Love it has love. Yeah, <laughs> come on, now. come on. I did. I mean, there are parts that I don't love, and there are you know I do have I do share complaints. Okay. Like I do think that the, I mean, I said loved from the beginning. Like I said, I loved the the unrated cut. The um, I'd forgotten. I, it was, I do. It think... was such a it was such a shocking statement that my mind just blanked it out, and now you're. Just shocking me all over again, but continue. <laughs> shocking like the ending of this film. Oh, it's not that shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I do think uh, that there are scenes that are rushed that I would have liked to be fleshed out. And I I do think that Ricardo Montalban is there just to be, you know, Mr. Expedition, but this, that's okay. This is going to sound extreme, right? I think this movie's an hour too short. That should be two and a half hours long. That should yeah, be, I, I would like at epic. least another half an hour. Yeah, that should be two and a half hours. The journey should be way more fleshed out and in depth, and we should really feel. Uh, th- th- we we should always be get going through the character's mind. In fact, I would argue we shouldn't even see the death of uh, Montalban's character. That should be something we discover with Caesar. We should we should have just stayed with Caesar the whole time. Uh, well, I mean that scene was a bit goofy, and that's why. Well, not just that. I think that'd be really effective. I'm I'm thinking of like other movies where. You don't discover the death of a character until the main character that you're following discovers it. Mm-hmm. And the impact that that has, the shock that that has. 
and it definitely wouldn't be goofy it would feel like it'd have even more weight than it does because it'd be like oh shit you know just out yeah. of nowhere he's found out that he's his father figure is, is dead um so no that this is like we're definitely into b-movie territory with this one like heavily so um i mean from this from the first sequel yeah uh, that's true but i i just i don't think the rating i don't think and well there's some good nice shots i don't think the rating or the direction because direction is not just shots of course direction is also directing the actors it's you know a unified vision bringing it all together Uh, and something as simple as the amount of focus on a certain thing or the choreography and the fight scenes which is just kind of like a mess all of that kind of falls in the direction. I, the direction, I think the script is just lackluster. It feels like a script that was like a first draft or a second draft that needed like another 10. <laughs> um, it, it feels like a really undercooked movie. It feels like a movie that was in the oven for about five minutes when it's supposed to be in there for six hours. Um, and yeah, sure, that, that raw chicken... <laughs> oh, just that, stop. That would kill you. That would just kill you. Uh, something that won't kill you if you eat it raw. Beef, I don't brownie. know. Brownie. Okay. And sure, yes, that fairly cold... Undercooked brownie. Undercooked brownie <laughs> that's very powdery because it's not actually in doughy. Oh, powdery? What kind of brownies do you make over there in the UK? <laughs> well, I've never baked a brownie myself. I, I would imagine there's some powderiness. No, if it's undercooked, oh. it's too wet. Okay, it's wet. Okay, sure. Whatever. <laughs> Look, I, I never said I was a baker, all right? Don't don't try and pull me up because I can't bake. Have you not burned anything that has bread in it? Like, that's when it becomes, like, dry and powdery. <laughs> no, I was thinking more of the, the sprinkly stuff you get on top. I guess that wouldn't be in the oven. But, like, the, like just... <laughs> okay. Is this really the, right. the hell we're going to fight on tonight? <laughs> it's it's my, my misunderstanding of how to bake a brownie. Well, <laughs> you ha- you had your chance. And this is my world now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. A- apes kill man. Uh, women kills ape. Women inherit the earth. Exactly. <laughs> it's a Jurassic Park reference for all you kiddies at home. Um, I'm sure they know. Um, they may not. I don't know. Uh, Everybody knows Jurassic Park. Yes. Line does by it, line. Does that make me the Ian Malcolm of this show? I think it does. Uh, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> try to do the Goldblum laugh it's not happening you know who you are from Jurassic Park why well, try to fight it that's true oh that's a good point yes I'm Hammond of course I'm Hammond yes yes uh, yes uh... <laughs> spared no expense hello John hello John uh... <laughs> the one impression you're great at <laughs> I really hate that man so <laughs> Anyway, we were fighting about this movie. Uh, you, you, you see some charm in it. You see some merit. Mm-hmm. I respect that. I do. Uh, but I got to stand on my ground and fight a little bit. That's fine. And I think this movie is only okay. And it has some ideas, but I think a lot of them are undercooked. And even the darker ending of the unrated cut, I don't think the movie necessarily is good enough to make it feel like that ending makes the whole thing better so with that said would you like to sum up and rate conquest of the planet of the apes well i think i've already summed things up pretty well but that's fair 
If yeah, I had to he, rate the yes, theatrical but you said something version. stupid in the first like sentence, so I had to interrupt you to counteract. <laughs> so I've forgotten the rest of it, but feel free. Right, sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so if I'm rating the theatrical cut, which is the cut that is was released, I don't love it. I I think it is weak at the end especially since I know what the original ending was supposed to be. Um, I do still have the same complaints about how scenes just sort of jump to we're here now and there was no build up or anything or how, how do we get there? I don't know, whatever, just deal with it. Um, but that being said, I do think there's a lot of strong themes in the film. I think um, the movie is taking big risks by showing those themes. I like the dystopian you know, old future that we get now. Um, I I like what that's what it's saying about humanity, and um, I like what it's saying about animal cruelty still and animal rights. And um, I think that it is a six point five for the theatrical version. How what would you rate the unrated version? An eight. You got a whole a point and a half. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> It's how you said for the theatrical version. Like, well, you were fighting me that much on a six point five. Are you mad, woman? But okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to go lower than that. I'm going to go with five point five uh, for this. I think it's basically almost in the middle. There's a couple. There's a, enough things to kind of like uh, to, for completion's sake to to watch it. But I I I don't hold the sequels as, as in high regard as Tara. And I think the reason why is because I remember this one not being that good. Uh, two is not that good. Although it was a bit more entertaining than I remembered it when we watched that mm-hmm. again for the show. Um, I like the the worshiping bomb humans that live underground. They're so cool. I honestly so I, Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen or if I have seen. I don't know if I remember anything from Battle for the Planet of the Apes. So I'm very curious to see how I'll feel about that one. Paul Williams is in it. That's pretty cool. And we'll see how we would debate that bad boy. But uh, yeah. Uh, so if you made it this far into the review to let us know you got towards the end uh put the word salad into the comment what because salad can also be caesar oh (laughs) stupid (laughs) shut up that was a (laughs) fine connection how dare you Uh, (laughs) um uh also tara's going to push for the thumbnail now so uh here we go Three, two, one. Pause! I cannot use that because your arm's cut off on the, the wrong side. Okay, I'll do it again. Okay, three, two, one. Pause! Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm an ape. It can, it can be cut off at the bottom. It can't be cut off at that side, though, because that's the side that goes out into the middle of the thumbnail. Well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to have the, the arm. Just uh, keep Christmas pork in it if you can. Uh, never. So, <laughs> worth worth mentioning that uh, whenever you put your hands up for a pose, it always makes more work for me when I'm doing when I'm cutting around the layer. So You're just, welcome. Yeah, have that known. Um, <laughs> is my world now. Um. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just just glancing at the IMDb user reviews to see if uh, there's anything entertaining in the titles. Uh, I don't suspect there is for this one. Uh, what is kind of fun looking at a review, like a movie like this, though, is that the reviews date all the way back to like the, the late nineties, which I assume mm-hmm. is roughly when IMDb kind of 
started. That sounds about right. It was yeah. one of the first internet pages that I bookmarked. <laughs> Man. Uh... <laughs> There's a title here where the reviews, which is a 9 out of 10 for the record, that says, My sister was five years old when we saw Conquest. I'm like, that's not a good title. I mean, <laughs> you're basically just starting your description of what you're talking about with that, but okay. That's fine. Uh, we have one that just says, Bleh, is the title. Give it a 4 out of 10. That's quite harsh. A little bit. Yeah, I feel like people are going to be more on your side here. But I think people sometimes, again, just because it's tackling serious subjects, are going to think I'm being dismissive and not appreciating the seriousness of the of the topic. I at mean, hand. we've had serious subjects brought up in TV well, nah, and film nah. where we're like, no. <laughs> but the no, but the people the people who are going to complain are not the people who have seen me talk about serious subjects in good movies that have and yeah. heard me talk about them in our context. They're people that have only found this review and are mad that I don't like the film that they love. So they'll sit there and lecture me and say, ah, don't you realize how serious these topics are? This is why this movie's so great, because it talks about, yeah, it does talk about them, but other, other better movies talk about them. Well, the important thing is that they'll be on my side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, oh, this is a controversial one. A big improvement over the last ape film. Ooh, that is surprising. I don't agree with that. I don't. I thought you do either. You like the last one more still. Well, yeah, I I do really like the Escape a lot, but um, I don't know this unrated version. Maybe he's talking about that <clears throat> or she. Yes, who's to say? Who's to say? I mean, from the early two thousands on the internet, I I think he or she don't apply. I think just cretin is maybe the better <laughs> word for them. Uh, <laughs> but True. there you go. Yeah. That will that will pretty much wrap up. Uh, and next week next week's special so the next two episodes are going to be a special two-part top 50 countdown where both myself and tara have prepared our very own top 50 sci-fi movies of all time list this is so hard tara's been working away you know every night working away at our this list this is the worst assignment you've ever given me i hate it <laughs> so we're going to be revealing that uh so we've both got our own lists we'll reveal them you know we'll alternate tara will give her 50 i'll give my 50 and we'll go back and forth uh it'll be a two-parter because these run long and even even split into two i suspect both parts will be long so yeah <laughs> so I look do. forward to that uh, <laughs> but that's essentially the, the christmas and new year's kind of uh specials because uh, Funnily enough, there's not a lot of Christmas uh, sci-fi movies. We, we we had one for the bonus movie last year, which was Santa Claus Meets the Martians, or Conquers the Martians. And that's that basically exhausted the Christmas sci-fi genre. Yep. Whereas every year me and Tim have like three or four Christmas movies. Like, yeah, let's do some See, Christmas This is why we movies. should be filmmakers. We should make one. We should start a new genre. A Christmas sci-fi? <laughs> yeah. Santa's just an alien. He's still nice and all that, but he's an alien. <laughs> is there no one that like puts up a Christmas tree on like a, a satellite dish? No. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or a satellite. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, actually <laughs> a really simple one would just be like a colony on Mars that's celebrating Christmas. But so it's on Mars, but yeah. it's set at Christmas so time. So it counts. <laughs> yeah, that would count, yeah. I kinda want that moving though. Or an I, alien I, Santa? Is there no alien Santa horror films? There probably is. There's definitely uh like a devil Santa horror movie. I'm sure there is one. Like where Santa's yeah. actually a devil, but that doesn't work though. What about, what about a clone of Santa, or clone uh -huh. of Hitler who dresses as Santa? <laughs> what? <laughs> that 
That sounds like a movie that exists. <laughs> it sadly does, but only because people are weird and there's a lot of uh, movies. <clears throat> so, there we go. That's what's coming up next thing. On the Atomic Storm Experiment. Uh, and that actually takes us up to episode 98 with the second part of that. So there'll be an episode 99 and then we'll be doing episode 100, which is special. So hopefully you'll want to uh, celebrate with us in any way you can. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you look like you're done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm just, I was checking my, my, I had like a slight ingrown fingernail before and it's fine now, but uh, it's been healing around where it was like a bit iffy before. I was just examining it. And some medical examinations. Now see, I look at my nails. See, I learned this from Third Rock from the Sun, is that men look at their nails like this. Women look at their nails like that. You yeah. got it. You got it. Yeah. I learned that too from yeah. Third Rock. For, for the record, I think it's stupid. It doesn't matter. Look at your nails however you want. It doesn't... <laughs> but it's a funny scene because John Lithgow makes everything funny. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, sure but does. there you go. That has been Conquest for the Planet of the Apes. Or of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, so thank you very much once again for joining us uh, you can of course get us on the twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates and stuff uh, you can of course also uh, catch us uh, I don't know where I was going with that sentence uh, you can like and subscribe usual stuff that helps us out a lot on youtube as does like a review and five stars on itunes or wherever you get your podcast from Tara would you like to promote any other piece of mail fuzz tv content and you're on a lot of it so you may go on Chill, I chill. Am. Um, I'm right now. I'm guest hosting for Star Trek Discovery. So if you've been enjoying those, the new season, maybe check out the reviews of Star Trek Discovery. See my thoughts. And if you haven't been enjoying the new season, you'll probably agree with my thoughts. So uh, it's, there's someone for everyone uh, on the Star Trek Discovery reviews. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, that's that. Um. I will mention, I mean, will this be too late by the time this goes out? No, it won't be. This is going out this week. Uh, I will mention that on Monday the 21st of December, so just like a day, maybe two days after this goes out, um, there'll be a 12-hour Christmas stream that I'm doing on the channel. Uh, so come and join if you want to celebrate Christmas. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be goals and there'll be all sorts of things. We, we watch party things. Um, we watch Christmas movies together, play some games things like that uh and yeah should be fun so isn't that under a different channel no no that one will be on the main channel the big 12 hour special streams i'll do on the main channel um and i should probably do something special for ten thousand subs when we get there which should be january at the current rate or maybe december 31st <laughs> it could be we'll see we'll we have see. a bet going <laughs> yes we have a little bet going um I mean, someone win for so me. So tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> tell your friends to come and subscribe. <laughs> Mailfuzz TV on YouTube. All right, that is us. Thank you once again for watching or listening. I thought this would be a shorter one. and we're actually longer than the last few episodes. I mean, you've been stretching this ending out for I'm not while. stretching. I'm not stretching. I'm, I'm doing the wrap-up right now. I'm doing the wrap-up right now. Adding IMDB reviews, adding <laughs> other promotions after I've already promoted something. I did that last week. And... <laughs> The, the stream is relevant for this week only. So yes, I wanted to promote it. All right, let's wrap this up already. Thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction films and computer at Salsa. No.